The Start On Demand. On demand. We all know that people complain about the most ridiculous things. Well, the latest example involves a number of Canadians who took to Twitter to express their outrage that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, while in Winnipeg, went to Old Donuts to buy seven dozen donuts instead of going to Tim Hortons because they're cheaper. Who paid for the donuts? Give us a break. We speak to the owner of Old Donuts about this controversy and unforgivable relationship fails like loading the dishwasher wrong. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, January 21st podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Did either of you guys go by Portage in Maine this morning? I didn't, but one of our spies at 201 Portage tells us that those barricades remain in effect. We got a tweet yesterday afternoon from one of the one yeah. of the hardworking gentlemen working on that situation on that water main break, saying, "Guys, we're doing as best we can. It's a big one, and it's cold yes. outside." He actually, think I think he said sorry, and I felt bad because no one's mad that you're doing the work. Just want to know not. what you're doing and how long it might take. So they're still up the barricades. That's the word. The barricades are still up at Portage and Maine. So if you go through there. If you want to confirm that for us, 204-780-6868. That I, was uh, Matt, by the way. Matt Sveinsen at Martz Svenser on Twitter. So, thanks, hey, Matt. Yeah, thanks for thanks. what you do, man. Yeah, it, uh, I do not. Anytime I, I think, man, my job is tough, I look at people like... Matt, who are working outside mm-hmm. and dealing with that kind of stuff. So thanks for the work you're doing, Matt. Well, especially when you consider the run you do to the door every morning and you're like the whole way like, come on, like I'm swearing in my head yeah. and it's what, nine seconds I'm outside and then they're spending nine hours or 10 or 12, depending on their shift. Well, speaking of which, don't let the temperature fool you. It's a fairly moderate temperature this morning when we got outside of CJOB right now, minus 15, but that wind is sort of nasty. Sort and so, of? Yeah. When you, when you end up in the wind. And it's a whole other ball game. It's out of the south, gusting to 54 kilometers per hour at the airport. Feels like minus 31. And there's just one, there was what, maybe 20 feet where we. I was in the wind this morning as we made our way around the corner of the building. And it's like, oh boy, that is night and day. Yeah, that was actually my wise. worst drive-in that I've had so far this winter. Was drifting just because and stuff, of the drifting yes. and the snow. Just a way, it's, all, it's always one of those things where you look at the temperature in your car, and you're like, oh, it's minus 16 is what it said in the garage. And then I get going, and I think this has got to be double that, at least with the wind. So it was pretty, if you're out, if you're outside the city like I am, and you're coming in, that wind from the south means those east-west Roads, so your number ones, your threes, your twos, they're going to be a lot, uh, a lot of drifting and a lot of blowing snow. So well, take we, it easy. We actually had uh, somebody text us at four thirty saying Highway One westbound uh, from just past the Headingley Scale was blocked with a crash. Mm. Lots of drifting snow on the road uh, from the way scale to the perimeter. Even in the city, in some of those larger intersections, Lajemodiere and Chief Pegwas Trail, Bridgewater was getting a little bit drifted in from that blowing snow, and they'd done such a great job of clearing the roads, probably going to see some equipment out today tidying up those spots where things have been drifted in today. So uh, keep an eye open for that. Uh, Don't get caught off guard. And if you're going to buy donuts, apparently you're not supposed to support a local bakery. I can't wrap my head around the mentality of people who are upset about this. I'm trying to, I'm going to 
open up my uh, Twitter here just so I can reiterate exactly what I said on Twitter because when I saw this this morning, I really wanted to throw my phone against a wall <laughs> because th this is the mentality that uh, holds Winnipeg back all the time. For those that don't know, O-Donuts, they're, what would you call them? They're, uh, you can't even call them electric. They're an independent donut shop on Broadway. And I think they've got one on Taylor, Taylor as, well. as well. They oh, employ okay. 30 people. They're right. all local. They source mostly local ingredients. They're like, they're, what, uh, I don't want to say they're high-end bakery. They just make really good donuts. I think it's fair to say high-end high because end? Okay. their donuts are super high-end. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yesterday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau went and picked up several dozen O donuts and that somehow for some people created a controversy. And uh, I tweeted out this morning, once again, Winnipeg at its self-loathing finest. <laughs> oh, donuts, please don't apologize for being awesome. And some people wonder why Winnipeg can't have nice things. People asking, did Justin Trudeau pay for those don't fancy donuts out of his own pocket? Or why didn't he go to Tim's where they're cheaper? Which O oh, donuts replied, Tim's is not Canadian anymore, people. It's owned by 3M, which is a Brazilian company. Like this whole desire to A, buy cheap fine, but you want people to buy local. Don't fall down the trap that just because it's got a Canadian name in its title makes it Canadian. Anyway, I just <laughs> don't understand why we get worked up about these things, but shout out to O Donuts this morning for mostly composure on their Twitter timeline because they were they were taking it and, and they were pushing back just as much as they were taking the negative comments, so good on them. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I, I have a hard time engaging at all on Twitter. I, I'm on it and I, I enjoy the, the news that you can get from it, but uh, it's just such a, it can be such a negative space. So that's why I like to just goof around on Instagram and post videos of a bunny rabbit that was in my dad's backyard <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> so that's uh, more palatable for me. Uh, we're also going to be talking today about downtown safety. Well, you talked with the Prime Minister in Donuts. He was in town yesterday. He's still in uh, Manitoba today. Crime came up with the mayor, obviously talking about the meth crisis and the need for a federal response and some of these drug issues that are plaguing many cities like opioids in Vancouver, meth here. And of course, front and center at City Hall this morning is this whole downtown safety initiative that we have been talking about for months. CGOB broke the story that True North is going to be involved in this partnership, uh, frontline workers, the city, downtown biz. So what's the money that's now? What's the ask on the table to City Hall for money to get this off the ground? There's dollars for a safety director. There's money for lighting, money for expansion of safe walk programs for the Millennium Library. So there's all sorts of pieces to this huge downtown safety puzzle. And that EPC this morning, which is the mayor's inner circle, it's like the mayor's cabinet. The questions are about, okay, we've got this plan in place. Now are, now are we paying for it and how? And I think we can all agree we want this to go forward. Do we have the cash to do it? And at the same time, we're asking questions. Uh, you might have heard it on Kyle's show this morning and yesterday about an o outdoor hockey rink, an ODR, which is going unused at the Broadway Neighborhood Center. How the two connect? Well, there's a lot of folks that feel without proper recreation options, that's when young people turn to crime. So Mackling, yesterday you sent us this link asking which one of these is the worst. The headline at BuzzFeed.com, 18 husband and wife fails that should never, ever be forgiven when married couples say marriage takes a lot of work. 
They mean it. Now, while it's specific to, for whatever reason, it's zeroing in on married couples, but I think this applies sure. to any relationship, even a roommate situation. Yes, for oh, sure. Good point. Yeah, and like you, if we've had, if you've ever had a roommate, there's a good chance you might not be friends with that person anymore. No, oh no, and especially especially in the days when you don't have a lot of money and you're in roommate relationships, and so the food in the fridge becomes very. I had one. Oh, God bless Dinah. I love her. She's one of my close friends. But when we lived together, she was very particular about her, like, shampoo and conditioner. And so when she would go away, that was, like, my mission was, like, <laughs> I am using this stuff. Because she would hide it oh. in her closet because she knew. And she bought expensive stuff. And I was, like, well, just I wonder where she hid that stuff. And I'd be after it. And then then I'd confess. She'd come home. I was, like, you like my hair? It's super silky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so annoyed. And I, that's annoying. Oh. I'm not spending the money. But, Greg, give us some of the examples that were on well, there. Well, some of them are pretty good uh, because I've lived them as well. Everything from either the wife or husband, or, doesn't matter. We're just saying in general, anybody who uh, doesn't screw back on the lid of the milk or mm. any of the other <laughs> condiments. Uh, oh, I was looking for... Oh, oh, that drives me crazy. Oh, you live by yourself! <laughs> I know! <laughs> He's so mad at himself every day when he gets Somebody, in. somebody well, it's, sneaks it's, in. It's when I was living with, you know, other people, my parents and whatnot, but uh, yeah, no, the, screw the cap on the toothpaste. I want to get crusty. It's, it's, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree with you. I was looking for the cap on the toothpaste this morning, actually. Uh, the idea of putting uh, partially <laughs> empty, and when we say partially, we mean like uh, one eighteenth full, uh, you know, a bottle of pop or milk I'm, or something like I that. Still that. I still do that. I'm guilty as charged. My mom used to just go insane because I'd put like like two sips of milk back in the fridge and she'd say why didn't you just finish it and mm-hmm. I said well I took what I, what I needed and, yeah. <laughs> and so that I don't I, is that a why? male thing do you find in your house is that more male or female well I don't know but it, you guys don't drink oh go ahead I just want to say by the way Kelly came in with the list like yeah, he's I, written his I, down oh, <laughs> well, let's, let's get yeah. to it well I, but just here you guys don't drink coffee here but do you know how many times I open that cupboard and we have pods and they're in boxes. Mm. Whoever takes the last pot out, just crinkle up the box and put it in the recycling. Oh. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Yeah. Cups, cups in the dishwasher. They, Sorry, they Reverend Bruce sink. Martin. What's that for, Jay? People leaving cups on in the sink and not putting them in the oh, dishwasher. It's every, right there. Every morning. It's I, right there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but this is at home, but the same things do yeah. happen yeah. at home because I know my kids will pull out the... We've got a slider for the garbage and the recycling, and they will make sure that that can or bottle or box fits in the recycling because, of course, they don't want to be the one that has to take it out. If it fits, there's still room for more, right? Exactly, yeah. (laughs) I've been lucky enough. I've been living by myself for 20 years or 21 years, and, and at my house, when it's just me, it's the toilet paper thing. You know the little thing you're supposed to put it on? I never use it. I build a pyramid on the t- back tank, and I just reach back and grab them as I need them. And every time my girlfriend comes over, she puts it on a little thinger, and I was just like, you're wasting your time. It's like, I don't want to brag or anything, but I go through that stuff so fast that it just no point in putting it on the thing. It's like, it's like it'll be gone before the end of the day. What's the point? <laughs> Romantic. <laughs> Not sure that that's something oh. to brag about. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, you've got a list there. What do you well, got? I, I, Greg showed us the link, and I think there was 18 items. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I'm going to do this truthfully. So I'm losing by a scorecard of three to one in our marriage. Uh, I'm... <laughs> 
I'm guilty of number five, the drill accessory kit. I can't remember how many times, because my wife loves to do crafts and woodworking and that sort of thing, and she'll say, stay the hell out of my tools. (laughs) I lose her stuff all the time. You don't put it back properly or Or, you can't find it. Yeah, or I'll be working with it in the backyard and I'll leave it on the fence and it'll rain and it'll get rusty. (laughs) Uh, My dishwasher loading skills, maybe that's why I do it vicariously here at work because... According to my wife, I have no clue how to do that. <laughs> really? I think you're pretty good at it. Yeah. Based I, on what you uh, do here. Uh, toenails left on the bedside oh. table. Oh, no, Kelly, you so don't. Gross. Yeah. You do? Uh, we're being full confession here. Wow. Uh, and then the only one I could really uh, uh, accuse my wife of is is not completely compressing the boxes to put in the recycling. You know, she'll just take a carton and, and or a box rather without breaking it down and throwing it in the blue bin. And so it fills up and then I got to go in there and decompress everything and it just drives me nuts. But that was it. Have you ever had That's that conversation bad. where That's you said good. if you each had to pick the one thing you had to get rid of, like the pet peeve, and that might solve all the angst because it's it's like you feel good or your day is bad and you come home and you're almost at the edge of breaking and then it's that one little thing in the fridge or I reach into the pantry and you're like, oh, whew, crackers or chips and I put my hand in that bag and it's <laughs> empty. Like there's, it's empty. Or there's one little crumb or something oh, like that. Oh, it's yeah. so frustrating. And that's when the moment when you just lose it like you know i come home and i've had a hard day and all i want is two chips i bet you and i think because i've done that too and i think the reason why people do it is because it's like a they can tell themselves okay i didn't finish the guilt. Bag. Yeah. <laughs> guilt. Yeah, you like, feel well, guilty when you finish the bag there's That's still true. some in there yeah, no, i left some not. for you croutons crackers chips everything like that in my house gets put back Empty. One of the things on this list that made me laugh was the first one. It, this husband who only thought of himself. Yes. My husband bought memory foam for his side of the bed, and there is this memory foam topper that takes up two thirds of the bed. But that made me laugh because that implies he gets two thirds of the bed. Because in my experience, I get maybe one eighth of the bed. I'm with you. That- I mean, I'm not with you. (laughs) So you get one eighth and Greg gets one eighth. There'd be be a lot. There's room for Brian. True confession morning, Kelly. (laughs) Look what you brought up. (laughs) Yeah, my my dad, it was the same thing. He, He, I think, basically slept like on the edge of the bed. It would sometimes, I think he actually fell off the bed once. He had so little room because my mom was taking up the entire bed. So let us know. Go to she had a long day. She had lots of long days. Let she she deserved that. Uh, she could have she could have shared a little bit better. <laughs> Coming to her defense. <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to defend my dad. Mom's Come on, now. Your mom. <laughs> Moms are tired. Mackling, why are we playing Beastie Boys right now? Well, because it's the favorite artists of our guest in studio this morning. City Councilor Sherry Rollins joins us. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. How is everybody this morning? We're doing well. Good, good. You have uh, quite the agenda at City Hall today. EPC taking a look Mm -hmm. at a variety of different things. A a whole list, a concophony, if you like, of requests as it pertains to this new downtown safety strategy. I don't think any one single item is super expensive or has a huge dollar amount attached to it. But when you add it all together, there's some serious money on the table. 
what's happening today? Yeah, there sure is. And top two agenda items are on public safety. We start off uh, with end homelessness today, their five-year plan. And definitely uh, that does come uh, with a price tag and also uh, joint work with the provincial federal government uh, that largely is responsible for housing. And uh, the downtown safety partnership that uh, looks at the partnership with True North Centre as well as the Winnipeg Downtown Biz and of course the social services supports within the Millennium Library. It was the CGOB that first shared with our listeners and Winnipeggers back in the fall about the idea of this downtown safety partnership, the initiative that would include True North Sports and Entertainment, so a private-public collaboration, mm-hmm. as well as downtown biz. And, and we know all sorts of things have been going on in the downtown to try to combat safety, but there's a long list now today, and there's dollar amounts attached. So they're talking about hiring a safety director, you know, potentially up to $125,000 for that, better lighting. Where would that go? What would that cost? We're talking about the Millennium Library, as you mentioned, and as a safe space for at-risk people. All these things come with a dollar amount attached. So I would say the will is there to get these things done and to get them going. So would I. But is the money there, Sherry? Well, that's what we're doing uh, every afternoon in the budgetary working group, uh, basically week in, week out to construct a, a, a budget uh, for Winnipeg. And uh, these agenda items will go back right into that conversation. It's important to note that we stand shoulder to shoulder with partners, whether they are provincial, federal partners or downtown partners in public safety. Really, really important to note that safety is ultimately about partnership work. And so you do see that public-private partnership with uh, True North and the 50-50 of that downtown safety director. And uh, you do see the important conversations in mental health that uh, Millennium Library acknowledges comes through their door each and every day and a safe and warm space for Winnipeggers in terms of that big downtown library. So very important partnerships This is a new conversation in the sense of the private-public collaboration, although there's been businesses downtown that have been working for years to try to create a safer space. The downtown's a neighbourhood that belongs to all of us in many ways because of the way we all either work there or play there for hockey games or ballet or whatever it is that we're doing. And so I think people want to see action on this, but they also don't want to hear and see the same results. And so in addition to money going forward or new ideas, I think people would like to know, will there be a timeline attached? Like, do we have a sense of if we do the following things and spend X dollars are we looking at a reduction in crime in a year, in two years? What, what's our time frame so that we can actually say our downtown is a better place in 2022 than it was in 2019, 2020? Yeah, so the downtown biz did this work in part in 2018 over 2019, really uh, countering some of the mythology around the safety in the downtown and saying Winnipeggers are largely safe. It's important to address some of the perception issues around uh, seeing poverty on the streets and that doesn't make you any less safe. And so the downtown uh, biz really did lead that conversation and, and talked about what crime stats are and what crime stats aren't in terms of their overall reduction. Uh, of of crime in in the downtown. Uh, that being said, governance never ends. So public safety agendas uh, are complete with both the partnerships and the the funding. And I expect this to be public safety and downtown safety to be on the agenda for years to come. Will Winnipegers see improvements? I think uh, the conversations around lighting, uh, the conversations around Millennium Library and the downtown safety partnership should result in the actions that Winnipegers want to see.
City Councilor Sherry Rollins in studio with us, Loren. And as mentioned, we got to ask her about the ODR. Well, we were telling you at the start of the show about this rink in West Broadway that's being used as a parking lot right now. At issue is the fact of whether or not the centre needs to potentially pay some more insurance or whether there's sort of a squabble with the city about what's going on. Residents upset because this is a rink that they say particularly young kids in the neighbourhood have used a lot, that West Broadway has the highest number of single parents in the city. And with that, therefore, their kids are looking for other outlets for recreation. We just talked downtown safety in the last segment about the idea that Getting at root causes is a big thing. So having a rink not running in a neighborhood being used as a parking lot, Sherry Rollins, who is the counselor for that area, is upsetting a lot of people. What's going on? Yeah, it is upsetting. Uh, fundamentally, the city and and I'm responsible for community services. And uh, a year ago when I started, knew that there was some significant policy to do to connect uh, crime prevention through social development through our city services. Uh, but as my grandma used to say, if it quacks like a duck and it walks like a duck, it's a duck. And uh, fundamentally, does anyone care if you're a community center or neighborhood center? The funding structures uh, shouldn't matter. And so a skating rink or a skate park, whether it's funded through a community center, through uh, the general council, or funded through a grant from City of Winnipeg, is still a needed city service. This is being funded through a grant at City of Winnipeg? This is being funded. Neighborhood centers, uh, unlike community centers funded through the general council grant through the City of Winnipeg, uh, the neighborhood center is funded through a, a grant directly from community services, an operational grant that the community run board uh, uses to operate Broadway Center. And uh, this rank, uh, it is a it is since September, has been a discussion with the city of Winnipeg on who insures. If it was a community center, it falls under the city insurance. Uh, it, it you know, if it's a neighborhood center, should it matter? Uh, my position is no, it shouldn't. So how do we fix this? How do we get neighborhood centers and community centers under the same umbrella? Really important that we have supportive policy uh, on on public safety that is very much linked to community centers. Uh, So the General Council of Winnipeg funds through that united uh, funding formula, that that universal funding formula. Uh, It's important to look at the grants and make sure that neighborhood centers aren't uh, falling through the cracks. And that's been the work. How much is this insurance? Do you know to get the, so what's the dollar amount here? Because I on know any this one item, it could be up towards of twenty five thousand or more. I mean, is it is it the ice rink? Is it the skating rink? Is it the skate park? Sorry, um, you know what is it? So those those numbers are are coming in. But right now, it's being used as a parking lot. There's no kids on it skating. There's no adults on it skating. And Did that's this a just suddenly catch people off guard in September? It's been running as a rink for years. So why all of a sudden this year are we found ourselves in a situation where it's not being used as it should. Well, that's a really good question. And that was uh, my question. Why isn't this being considered as a community center? It's a neighborhood center and it's very much linked to West Broadway. Uh, West Broadway was uh, one of Winnipeg's oldest neighborhoods. It has quite the history in terms of uh, a trajectory of being a very wealthy neighborhood when it was first created into uh, and after the recession, uh, you started to see people moving out to the suburbs. But as you notice, something has, ch- has changed, and I don't want to interrupt, yeah, but just no, to get fine. with it, are we... It's been a community center since 1947, and it's is operated my point. on a grant? 
And uh, it became a neighborhood center to reflect a higher needs community sometime in the 90s. And uh, that changed a bit in terms of whether it's a community center or a neighborhood center. But, uh, you know, does it matter fundamentally? So bureaucracy is getting in the way here. Terminology. You know, really, when you have a skate park in West Broadway and a skate park in St. Vital, one is funded and encapsulated under the city's insurance and one isn't, how does that make any sense? And so sometimes that's your job as a politician is to make the funding mechanisms make sense. Ford Rougies, Ford Gary Councillor Sherry Rollins joining us live on 680 CJOB. Councillor, thank you for the visit. Yeah, my pleasure. And on the subject of complaining, Greg, what are people complaining about as it pertains to donuts? That Justin Trudeau bought local donuts that some people see as expensive, luxurious perhaps. Here's a tweet from O Donuts themselves, OH Donuts. For all those folks complaining that Justin Trudeau paid too much for our donuts when he could have got a dozen at Tim's for $10, consider this. Tim's isn't Canadian-owned. Many Tim's owners have taken away breaks and benefits from their staff. It goes on and on. A four-page response to what I would see as the vocal minority getting their 10 minutes of fame on this issue. And, uh, well, Amanda Kinden, she is O-Donuts, and she joins us now. Uh, Amanda, I know you don't do this by yourself. How many staff do you employ? We have about 30 staff. So you're, you're a big part of our economy, and we uh, remember talking to you when you started this business. Have you ever spent this much time on Twitter? No, I haven't, actually. So were you expecting this? Uh, t- tell me how this all went down yesterday. No, actually, I just received an email on Sunday for an order, which I responded normally to. And uh, they, placed, they ended up placing the order on the website, so it was sort of out of my hands. And then I got a message from the staff Monday morning that they were for Justin Trudeau. And I was like, okay, so like they just told you it was for Justin Trudeau. It wasn't there, right? <laughs> nope. No, he was here. So I looked on the camera and sure enough, there he was. So we had no idea he was coming. Not even up to the moment he walked in the doors? No, it was just, you know, it's a dark, cold Monday morning. And one of his staffers, I guess, opened the door for him and he walked in first. So, of course, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, he's pretty active on social media, or at least his team is. And I would argue that this is probably a pretty well-orchestrated campaign for him to come into a local shop because... The photo that they make sure they got of him has him carrying, I don't know, seven boxes, it looks like, and it has the hashtag in there, shop local. So they were obviously trying to send a message about shopping yeah. local. I don't, I don't want to say it backfired on them because it's generated a good conversation at the very least. But it's also mm-hmm. raised concerns in my mind about what some people think local is to begin with, Amanda. Yeah, I think a lot of the backlash focuses on people who went onto the website and found the most expensive price that they could find. So all of our donuts aren't $47 a dozen. Those are our most elaborate, fancy donuts, which they didn't get. They just got regular variety donuts. Well, like none of your beer. donuts are regular variety donuts. Let's make that well, perfectly you know. clear. <laughs> did, 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 was it all the, the, the Homer Simpson, Simpsons sort of pink with the sprinkles, or were there a variety of donuts? Give us the inside scoop, Amanda. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't pack the box, but we did have Boston cream on the menu. So it was for sure flavors like that yesterday. 
And what would what would the price of the donuts have been? Uh, a regular dozen goes for thirty five dollars. Okay. And so they pre-ordered on the website and they got a 10% discount, and which is frugal spending in my opinion. Well, and here's the thing too, for anybody who has, if you've not had a donut from O Donuts, if you have one, it's like a meal. Whereas if you get donuts from a regular donut shop, you might have, I can easily blow through two or three of them. Uh, so you might be paying more for those donuts, but you're getting tons more value and they are delicious, Amanda. Yeah, I think Tim Hortons has done a disservice to donuts. Nobody really knows what a real donut is anymore, you know? Well, we, we don't want to pick, I don't want to pick on them too much, but I want to pick up on that because one of the things you tweeted out I think is really important. Once again, A, the costs seem to throw people off, but I've just done the math and that's pretty um, decent pricing for a donut per donut. That's not that much more than you'd pay somewhere else. And then this whole idea that you are a local shop with 30 staff members, you source most of your ingredients locally and if you go to one of those bigger chains uh by the way they might not actually be canadian owned to begin with despite that very canadian name yeah and they're not made fresh in-house at tim hortons anyway local shops are a bit different and for sure they use things like dough conditioners and not fair trade chocolate like we do so all of the things the economies of scale for a franchise are way different so you can't really compare them so has this been a good thing in the end amanda yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun on Twitter last night. It was not, I'm not mad about anything. I mostly just tweeted that out so that I could rest my brain because I can't really let people say things that are wrong <laughs> without addressing it. So I just wanted to do a, a blanket tweet. Maybe if some people saw it, that'd be great, but it sort of blew up. So, How many security did. staff did the prime minister have with him, by the way? I don't know. He walked in with maybe five or six staff. Uh, RCMP didn't come and scout the location before he walked in. Like, it was just really nonchalant. Well, hopefully in the and end. Was, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there was maybe like two cop cars, three cop cars. Uh, hopefully in the end of this, you're going to get, you got some publicity. And as they yeah. say, there's no such thing as bad pub- publicity. So you might see some more uh, customers in there this morning. I hope so. We would appreciate it. Well, Amanda Kinden from O Donuts, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to talk to you once again. Thanks for having me. I had the uh, Ferrero Rocher donut a couple of years ago uh, when we did me? that uh, when we did that feature on O Donuts, oh. and it, I, I, I remember standing in the newsroom. I just took a bite of it, and I just had to s- stay standing in the middle of the newsroom with pieces of chocolate falling onto the floor because I couldn't stop eating it. It was so, so good. O Donuts. They've got a location on Broadway downtown, and another one on Taylor. And follow them on social media at O Donuts. continue the chat on making downtown Winnipeg safer and friendlier. And how many years do you think we've been talking about this? Five, ten, forever, two hundred. Yeah, it goes back a long time, and the debate continues this morning at City Hall because, as we've been telling you on CGOB for the past few months, they've really come up with a multi-pronged plan to engage both the private and public sectors in trying to make downtown safer. It's going to involve True North Sports and Entertainment, the Downtown Biz, the Downtown Safety Patrols, all of those things, and up for discussion at the Executive Policy Committee today, which of course is the mayor's inner circle, is how we're going to fund these things. So they're talking about you know one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for the safety director and the initiatives that might go there, expanding the safe walks, more money for lighting, $200,000-plus for the Millennium Library to potentially add a space for at-risk people, all sorts of things on the table, all sorts of dollars. And here to discuss 
what he thinks might be some more low-cost things that we can do in the city is our friendly neighborhood advocate, if I can call him that, from Point Douglas, Sal <laughs> Burroughs. Thank you for taking the time, Sal. Thanks for having me on. It's a very important subject. As you say, it's been going, the discussion's been going on too long. Well, you ever since we've been talking about this downtown partnership, the safety partnership that's been created in conjunction with both, uh, you know, first responders and politicians and all the rest, you've been putting out, I don't know if they're biweekly emails, sell or monthly emails <laughs> with your making downtown safer and friendlier plan. Uh, part one, part two, I, I assume a part three is coming, but you really talk about just getting regular old people involved, starting with the idea of having a public phone number and email address that people can just email tips to is that essentially what we're talking about well that's that's the core of it that's the base of it the the key is that when behaviors going on that you really don't like and some of it's criminal and some of it's just obnoxious that's why it's safer and friendlier um, you've got to be able to respond fast some things absolutely need the police if there's weapons or uh, really obnoxious behavior going on only the police are trained to handle it but there's a lot of stuff happening downtown or could be happening that could be identified by ordinary people and stopped before it happens or dealt with by um you know could be the bear clan patrol could be uh you know the uh, downtown biz patrol so there's there is a need for a mixture, but having a way for the ordinary person to communicate with a, a central office that can then dispatch the right people to handle the situations would be a huge, huge uh, asset. And, you know, they're talking about one that, but unfortunately they're talking about one that only the, the various biz patrols as well, uh, would be able to access. And I'm saying if somebody's walking down the street and there's an overly aggressive panhandler, if they have a number 211 or something, they could call and say, hey, there's this guy, he's disturbing all these people on Main on Portage Avenue. Uh, and somebody could get there really quickly and have a little chat with these guys. And we've discovered in our neighborhood when people are acting strangely or unacceptably, having a chat with them, 90% of the time it works. People don't want to believe me, but it does. And so we're looking at how do we get the people who have to live there, who have to work there, small store owners, uh, and of course, one of the biggies is taxi cab drivers. How do we get them able to get action happening really fast to cut off crime and un unacceptable behavior? You speak about this from experience. This has been the strength of your power line in North Point Douglas. Sell the idea yep. of connecting with your neighbors, doing it in a in a quick fashion, and expediting the process and and reaching out. And I guess having enough people understand the appropriate resources to reach out to, depending on the situation you're seeing on the street. Is that an yep. oversimplification? No, that's basically what we do. And partly it's very simple. That's why it works so well. Now, we put out a flyer. Now it's about every two months. When we started, it was every month to every single address in Point Douglas. And I'm suggesting it's going to be very cheap at the price to put a flyer into all the little apartment blocks and the bigger apartment blocks all around the downtown with that phone number and saying, look, if you've got a guy dealing uh, meth on your floor on your block, phone this number because suppression, disruption of meth dealing is absolutely crucial 
to having a safer, friendlier downtown. We have a crisis. We'd love to deal with the root causes of it, and I've been involved in dealing with that. But right now, we have to suppress the uh, the meth dealing, particularly because that's where so much of our crime and uh, unfriendly behavior is happening downtown. You mentioned, police, Sal, the use of yeah. taxis, and I just want to continue that thought. Yeah. In, in your bulletin that you put out is the idea that taxis cruise the downtown 24-7, that they deliver people who are potential problems, that those people might yeah. be delivering drugs, and as a result, taxi drivers should be tapped as a resource to assist police or other with cracking down on patterns or bad behavior or criminals. Absolutely. And again, this is free or almost, you know, just the cost of a, of a tip line. And I would suggest that we get some retired folk in the Punjabi community uh, who speak Punjabi, uh, in the Sikh community. And, uh, you know, I bet you there's volunteers out there and they would be able to let police and other authorities know of the bad stuff that's going on. And I've talked to taxi drivers. One of your competitor stations interviewed taxi driver. They would love to be involved. Uh, but it has to be made very simple, very easy, just like our one in Point Douglas is. At the end of the day, Sal, these don't sound like they cost much. So there's, is there room for collaboration in your mind? Is there room to give the money to the library and to, uh, to cost share with True North and have all that underway, oh, uh, but also have these? Absol- absolutely. We need what True North is, uh, you know, and I'm a great fan of Mark Chipman, but we can't leave it in the hands just of the... Uh, official bodies. We need to have, you know, uh, James Favela, the Bear Clan Patrol, should be involved at an, you know, intimate planning level. He understands a lot of the social issues. And he quite bluntly said he can't support something that just means more of his people being put in handcuffs. And I agree with him. There are simple solutions to some of these issues that are being looked at as uh, big, big issues. And let's get to the real crucial issues. One of the things. So, that you... Yes, yes, I support what's going on, but it has to have an added, added piece of it of the ordinary folk. One of the things you've highlighted here, Cell, is sexual abuse of children at high-end hotels, and you're asking hotels and the downtown biz to get involved to help put a stop to this. What could hotels do to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore? Well, some hotels do do it, and most hotels have policies that they're not implementing, and it's. You know, it's very simple. You know, uh, the receptionist has a button and uh, the elevator doesn't move and the door doesn't open to the stairs. If someone who appears to be uh, going upstairs for sexual purposes and uh, some of the hotels have, are doing it very well. I have talked to several receptionists. They have seen young girls going up those elevators. They're sick to their stomach, but they have no way to uh, to respond one of the things we do in Point Douglas is we push responsibility back to the people who are responsible. In this case, the number one responsibility for the action that's about to take place is the management of the hotel. And uh, we need to call, put, you know, put pressure on them to ensure that these young girls are not sexually abused. This is a massive problem. This, those kids, once they're sexually abused, it destroys their lives for years and years. So, you know, and I had, yeah, we, we're, we're running out of time here, so I just yeah. want to jump in on this really quickly. So many of the suggestions that you have here, 
it boils down to community involvement. Eyes on the street. Yeah. You have a great quote here from Jane Jacobs and uh, and her philosophy on that. And eyes on the street and public responsibility, looking out for one another. Little things like if you have someone that is living next to you and they're throwing parties and there's unusual activity, don't hesitate to, to reach out. And to, to call, once again, the proper authorities, but knowing whom to call is so critical in all of this. Absolutely, absolutely. And we need to be spending money on marketing. Marketing, you heard that word? The private sector does it brilliantly. Unfortunately, the public sector doesn't market the services. You know, there should be stuff up everywhere downtown of what to call, what number to call for what type of a problem. And as we boost civility, work on people being nicer to each other, we also uh, suppress the absolutely negative behavior that's totally unacceptable in our city. I don't think there's anybody in our city who thinks it's a good idea that young girls are taken up into high-end hotels for sexual activity. Nobody believes in that. But why aren't we deal- dealing with it? So we need to, you know, as you say, we need to let people know what who to call, and uh, there's no magic bullet. There's no one answer, but there's a whole bunch of answers, and some of them are not expensive but need a little more hard work to to put them in place. Celebrose, our friendly neighborhood community activist, is the coordinator of the Point Powerline, a crime crime prevention program based in North Point, Douglas. Sal, thank you so much for the time, as always, sir. Much appreciated. Thanks for for having me on. I'm off to Cuba later today for uh, a bit of mental health break, and we'll be back showing the struggle again. Take care. Enjoy that time in sunny Cuba. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Parking, paying for parking. We you like, like it? No. I, 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 I will try to avoid paying for parking at all costs. I've been having to go to St. Boniface Hospital, as you know, in the last week and a half. And I, I parked like 15 minutes away just to save a, a buck, although I ended up getting a parking ticket anyway because I parked in a spot. Ah! I didn't, I'd never, I'd never seen this before. I parked there on Saturday. Yes. So then I parked in this, this is on uh, Despens, just off of Tache. Or I know De- the Despen. exact, I know the exact spot you're going to talk about. Sorry. Yeah. So I parked there last Saturday, no problem. And then I parked there again on Monday and came out and thought, why are there no cars in front of me? Because there were three cars in front of me before I, like when I parked, well, it, Monday to Friday, there's this like hundred yard stretch where you can't park. Uh, only on Saturday and Sunday you can park there. So I got a I got a fifty dollar ticket. Whoops. Mm. Are you fighting it? No, I'm not going to fight it. I, 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 hey, it serves me right for not paying attention. To, you know, the sign was right there, clear as day. I you just fight didn't look it, you get it. money back, though. You will really some money. What? Well, what? On what would my defense be? My defense would be <laughs> frontal paralysis. <laughs> Couldn't see the sign? Yeah, standing is looking for the sign. Wasn't was looking there. at ground level. No, the idea that you parked there on the Saturday yeah. maybe suckered you into the idea that you could park there mm. at any time. I, not everybody is unreasonable in these positions of authority. Well, maybe I'll give it a shot. And, you know. and parking at hospitals, like for many people, is already a stressful situation. Yes. You're rushing in to get somewhere or pick someone up or say you're removing your dad or whatever the case may be. You can forgive someone for not really reading things properly. 
Right. The signs are confusing at the best of times at all parking locations, let alone then you throw in a snow route and then a tow truck picture and then a flashing sign and then a p- pamphlet for a lost cat. There's a lot going on on that pole. <laughs> <laughs> pamphlet for a lost cat. Can you find mittens? But the point is <laughs> paying for parking sucks. Yeah, it really does. And I, I think we can all agree that on-street parking has been made easier. Some people don't agree, but I think most of us would agree that it's easier with these new meters because you don't need to rifle around in your car or your pockets for the correct change. You can actually use your credit card. And of course, now there's an app so you can pay for your parking on your phone. And that will give you a warning. It will send you a message when your parking is up. And it'll even give you an opportunity to extend your parking. Now, private lots have finally mostly done away with that cumbersome mechanism. It reminded me always of the washing machine in the apartment building I used to live in where you put stack the quarters in there. Yeah. And you would do that. And sometimes the tickets would come out in the parking lot. Sometimes they wouldn't. But I think the bigger challenge was having the exact right change combination to pay for the parking. Anyway, no matter what, paying for parking isn't anybody's favorite exercise. An in-park customer is warning people not to depend. And I don't know for sure if we have this in Winnipeg. If you know yes or no, let us know. On the parking provider's text messaging alert technology, after he says an in-park admits... Failed him. Andrew of Global's Consumer Matters takes it from here. This is the last thing you want to discover when you return to your vehicle, a parking violation notice. What business are they in? Are they in the business of, of renting a parking spot? Or are they in the business of ticketing people and collecting large fines? Jay Rogers is referring to Impark. The parking provider put a dent in his festivities when he says he paid for visitor parking on December 24th of last year while visiting family in downtown Vancouver. When I bought the parking ticket, they'd had a new feature. At the very end of the transaction, it offered me an opportunity to enter my mobile number and said that they would text me when my parking was about to expire and that I could actually pay by text, which I thought, great. His enthusiasm diminished when Jay says he never received a text message alerting him his parking was about to expire. Clearly, I was late by about an hour, but uh, I received no text, and, uh, but I did receive a violation from Impark. Jay was fined close to $80. He contacted Impark to dispute the ticket, explaining how the text warning expiry feature failed him told her about the uh, about the text feature and she denied adamantly that that feature existed in this lot. He says he requested to speak to a manager, even sent a screenshot of the parking option. But Jay says he never got a response. After phoning back numerous times, he says he finally connected with an in-park manager. He said that my receipt had a time on it and it was my responsibility to, to update my parking. And I, I told him that, you know, in good faith, when you offer a service, you're supposed to provide the service. Jay says he had no problem paying the upgrade for the hour, but he wasn't going to pay the fine. You almost have to have the patience of a saint to deal with them because they, they'll argue with you on the phone, they'll put you on hold for extended periods of time. That's when he turned to Consumer Matters for help. We reached out to Impark on Jay's behalf. He was contacted by the parking provider the next day, telling him the ticket had been cancelled. Assumed that it was just a, a defect in the technology and that, that I didn't receive the text message and that they were going to 
basically, you know, squash the ticket. It just leads me to believe that they would have just, you know, ignored my pleas had it not been for Consumer Matters. From now on, Jay says he won't depend on such technology, instead protecting himself in the future by setting his personal alarm. So Impark admitted and they, and they came to the table eventually and there are several holes, I think, in, in this story where you could say, oh, come on, man, you got to take some personal responsibility sure. here. But don't you think the bigger question is the whole idea of how incredibly difficult it is just to speak to a human being to try and sort out a misunderstanding mm-hmm. like this? It sounds like this guy was a fairly reasonable guy. I don't know. To me, that's the bigger the bigger issue coming out of this story is the fact that you can call and call and call and people just almost customer service by ignoring you and then you'll go away. Well, it becomes one of those things when you look up a number and I don't know if anyone else does this. You're trying to find it and it shows you a 1-800 number or a one number and then you immediately think... Are they not local? Like, am I not going to get anybody on the phone? Am I going to be transferred to a call center in some other city or other country? I was trying to get a hold of my bank yesterday um, for for an issue I've been having. And because I hit, you know, hit three for this and four for that and then pound for this. Next thing you know, I'm in a call center in Toronto. And I was like, no, like I physically need an appointment at my Winnipeg bank. Why? And I called a 204 number. How did this happen? And so it's very frustrating. I, I, I do think on this one. The alarm didn't work. I think you have those in Winnipeg, too. There's an app out there that will alert you. If it doesn't work, though, you still knew that your parking was expiring. Yeah, you, could set, a, that. you could set a timer. Sure. You could set a reminder, uh, like one of our t- listeners texting saying, oh, come on, you know, with all that, with, this is crazy. People with phones complaining, every phone has a reminder app. Just use it. Right. But I think, I think your point is, so you have the reminder app, but he needed to let that company know. He probably didn't want to pay the ticket, but they should also know that maybe their app isn't working and that becomes a whole other thing to just get a hold of anybody at some of these bigger corporations. Yeah, just talk to me. Let's talk this out. I messed up, but you messed up as well. Can we meet somewhere in the middle? It wasn't a $10 fine. It's an $80 fine. And so that's also at issue for a lot of people. Why are the fines on the private lot so dramatically different than they are on the street? And so the ability to have some justice and to have a forum to say, hey, hold on, there's a reason here seems to be escaping and seems to be out of reach in a lot of cases because nobody wants to talk to you anymore. I remember... This was about, oh boy, seven, eight years ago. My then girlfriend signed up for Weight Watchers and she was actively using it and subscribing to its services and whatever. And then she stopped. And I, I don't remember what was involved, but there was a, a point where like you, she had to actively participate in this. And then she stopped and I looked at my credit card statement because I had signed it up for her like, I don't know, a year later and realized that I was still getting billed every month. For the yeah, for this service she wasn't using, and I think it was I don't know what it was like twenty bucks a month, but that adds up over the course of the year. And I called and said, "Hey, she hasn't used this service for a year. I realize it's on me to pay better attention to my bill, but isn't it also on you to to say like, do you still want this service? Mm-hmm. You're happy to take my money, so right?" They did. They met me halfway. They, they did. They gave did me they? a partial refund. Well, that's impressive because yeah. they don't always do that. 
But the key there was actually reaching a human being that you could reason with. And it was actually fairly easy. So in that in that sense, I was quite pleased. I remember the guy being friendly. I was sitting. I was. I made the phone call in uh, one of our studios here. I was prepared to be pounding the table and mm-hmm. come on, Weight Watchers. Yeah, you, but... you went into a private booth so that just in case he had to get mad. Yep. But, but Brett did not smash. <laughs> but again, the thing that you mentioned about having to reach out to them, how many phone calls, once you sign up with a company or a service, how many phone calls do you get to, from them saying, would you like to add to your service? Would you like All to do time. this extra thing? But no one's phoning you ever to say, you're up for renewal. Mm-hmm. Do you still want this to roll over? Uh, we're adding an extra tax on this that we wanted to let you know about. That never happens. They have no problem calling saying we want to take more of your money, but not any other way to say, are you happy with the service where it's going to continue December 31st or it's whatever. It's another version. I don't know if you guys remember old enough to remember something called negative option billing that used to be a big deal. They'd send you an invoice for a service. And I'm not going to mention any companies. They know who they are. And if you had to deal with this, uh, essentially they would send it out and it was up to you. We're going to start sending you this unless you call and tell us you don't want it. And we're going to start invoicing you. And they used to do this to businesses a fair amount. That's illegal now, but there's this version of rolling over your trial subscription into a permanent subscription. And then the window of opportunity for you to cancel that is so small. There's a lot of sneaky stuff going on out there. You got to be aware of it for sure. Go to our Facebook page. We're asking you to confess your sins from your relationship of what relationship fails are you guilty of we're not talking about like serious ones no. it means like you know like being, the fact uh, that i hide things like i put things away in what i call my safe space or my secret space to find them later and then i forget the the safe space <laughs> And then I can't find very, very, very important things. You're not alone in that. <laughs> yeah. I confess. I will you, always say, I put it away for safekeeping. Uh-huh. Sure. Where is it? Way too Oof, safe. I don't know. It could be that cupboard. could be in the piano bench. I do like to put things in this drawer. And it's like, do you, why wasn't there just one safekeeping spot? I lost my passport for five years. And by the time I was able to find it. It had expired and I put it in one of those safe spots. There was a secret compartment in my briefcase and I thought it'd be really clever and stash it in there. And then when I needed it, I couldn't find one. So I had to go and get a new one. And then I found it, you know, three years after that. It's like, geez, that is a very clever spot, but maybe a little bit too clever. And then even when you put stuff away, sometimes you can't see for looking. Passports again. Last summer, I knew where the four passports were stashed. I went in the drawer. Gee whiz, why aren't they there? I spent two hours looking at in all the other secret spots, yeah. went back to the original one, and lo and behold, they were there. I think I think the dogs were playing a trick on me. Do you think time, that's but... the panic, though, that you get? Because it's one thing, like I made a joke about when you look earlier and how my husband and kids will open up the fridge and can't see the ketchup staring them in the face, right? So small things you don't really stress about, so you don't see them. But when you're really looking for something, then you start to panic. And then it does, it's like your eyes blur out that special thing you're looking for. It could be. Like your brain's decided to put that in a different compartment. It could be. I'm going to go with that. it usually is where you looked first. It's always where you look last. <laughs> That's for sure. Because <laughs> you don't have to look any longer. <laughs> so let us know on Facebook. And you can feel free to text us, 204-780-6868. We had, had people talking about the dishwasher. That's a common one. The way you load the dishwasher, the way you put the utensils back. How you get rid of boxes, you know, do you, do you 
rip them up and put them in the recycle mm. or you just toss it in the garbage in the hopes that, well, someone's going to deal with this. It's just not going to be me. Here's yep. another one. And this used to bug me. Do you guys do this? So you have, say you cook spaghetti or something in a pot and you have a lot of it left over and you then transfer it to a Tupperware container, yep. right? But then you have to go warm up that same sauce. Mm-hmm. The next day. Okay. So my husband started, if there's a lot left, just putting the pot in the fridge. Like, no. And I was so mad the first time he did it. I was like, this is the ultimate in laziness. But then I came home the next day and I was like, it's already in the pot. I'll just throw that on the stove. We got ourselves <laughs> some spaghetti sauce. And I was like, you know, maybe if I just paused for 30 seconds and gave it a shot, the idea could be good. So you know what you need? Which need a bigger fridge for all the pots? Well, that's one thing that might be better. But if you maybe we should invent this an actual lid that goes over the different pots. Oh, like a te- like a Tupperware like a pot. Tupperware lid that a could, pot. A, 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 a pot Potter, top. Potterware. Pot top. A pot top. Potteri. <laughs> and just and then, and and then you don't have to take it out of the pot and you, and then it's sealed because saran wrap is good in certain circumstances, but making that uh, dome stadium over the pot isn't necessarily what it's best for. This, mm. this we might have something I think here. You're right. I think you're right. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Potterware patent pending. TM. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> Trademark. All McLean the McNabb. things we need to say in order to protect the idea. <laughs> well, it is a pain when you you think about okay. So you got to put you 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 cook the food. Right. You put it in whatever bowl or dish you're going to eat it. You got to clean that up. And transfer then, and it. Transfer it to Tupperware, which then will have to be cleaned. So he's eliminating a step there. Like with certain things, I had to admit afterwards because then he came home one day and he found a pot of soup that I had put in the fridge and he's like, aha, take mm-hmm. a look who's following my ideas. And I was like, well, I thought about it. Seemed like a lot of work to transfer it to a Tupperware container. Well, something to laziness. I always said <laughs> in the, in the, uh, in the hospitality industry, the best servers were the laziest l- servers because they were always looking for efficiencies. They didn't, didn't want to waste too many steps. And you always got better service that way. Really? Because, yeah, because it's like, well, I'm going to walk through my section. I'm getting all the dirty dishes I can so I don't have to go back there right away or take care of all my tables at once versus going one and then go back. And then, no, but you try to be efficient. But does that make them lazy or efficient? That's what I just said. It but makes them efficient. So because they're lazy. Be, well, potentially. Okay. Because I'm just wondering, like, because I like to, you know, that's one of my things here. To a fault. I know it drives management crazy because I'm, I'm the guy who always pokes holes in things because sure. I, yeah. I say, that's inefficient. That's yeah. a waste You're of time. You're doing it four different times as You're opposed to once or twice. you who we want on the island when we all end up there. It'll save us. You'll be that annoying guy that like saves the world on the island. And right up until the end, <laughs> we'll be like, what is this guy's deal? But then we'll be alive. <laughs> So you gotta you gotta wait for the saving. My laziness shall save the day. He is the savior. Oh my god! On the island show I've created, starring Potterware. <laughs> I can, we'll have to make sure to bring some Potterware, or, or save some Potterware should the plane go down. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNabb on Global and on Instagram at McNabb on CJOB. 
talk soon.